Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. So hopefully uh, it cooled down a little bit on you guys. If not, there's a box full of towels over here. You can snag one and wipe your sweat. Uh, we began to talk this morning about Mary and I being gone for, for uh, two full weeks, and we missed you guys unbelievably, missed the church unbelievably. Um, I think it's the longest we've ever been away from the church in 10 years of, of ministering and 10 years of pastoring here. I think it's the longest we've been uh, away. And I'll be honest, we thought about not coming back at least once or twice. <laughs> because things were going so well here, uh, I'm gonna share for just a minute about, you know, some of what happened while we were gone and what God was doing for, for and, and Mary and I. But first, I just wanna thank um, everybody here, everybody who's part of this church, specifically the, uh, the ministry leaders, the elders and the elders' wives for allowing us to go because of your faithfulness and allowing us to go because of the way that you guys care for people and minister to people and do all the things uh, without us, which is ultimately our goal. We want to be here forever, but at the same time, we, we want to see people raise up and people rise up to do what God has called them to do. So it was special to watch that, um, specifically again for Raymond McKell, who, who literally did everything in, in my absence for every service and every outreach and the prayer services. And he just was really, uh, uh, that's why he's an elder. That's why he's a shepherd here in this church. I want to thank him uh, for what he did. Amen. Like Gary mentioned, I, I listened to every single message in the app uh, while we were gone. So Ray spoke three out of the four services and, and did an amazing job ministering. Um, Zach, again, he spoke to the youth for the last couple of services, which were, which were amazing. And uh, I don't want to take away from, from anything that was done in the ministries and the ministering, but uh, uh, I want to just, just share from my heart that the message that this brother Gary spoke on Wednesday, the first Wednesday uh, that we were gone, it just absolutely blew me away. Absolutely blew me away, man. I was, uh, <clears throat> it's, gonna, it's gonna sound funny now because I just cried for 20 minutes, but I usually don't cry all that much, but listening to your message, man, I was crying and then I was laughing and then I was crying and then I was laughing again. And uh, this is from somebody who I, I just know, you know, five years ago when, when he came into the church, didn't know the first thing about really serving God, just being raised in, a, in an Orthodox family that went to church from time to time and baptized when he was, he was a child. And to listen to him speak with passion and with authority and the word of God and with the spirit of God, it just... Uh, uh, 
I want to confess in front of everybody who's, who's here today uh, that, you know, it felt, it felt in many ways like a, like a um, it was an honor to be your pastor, to think that uh, you would allow me to disciple you and you would allow me to, to shepherd you and to help you come into a relationship with the Lord. I don't think anybody could have imagined that uh, uh, these are the types of things that would be taking place in your life, man. It, it was an honor to, uh, to listen to it. So I want to encourage you guys, if you haven't heard it, get into the app and listen to it. It's on the Wednesday services for Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25, I believe it was. And I, I believe it's going to be a staple message for this ministry, a staple message for this church that uh, is going to uh, really uh, lead a lot of folks into, into what it really means, what our church is about. Our church is about people coming to Christ. Our church is about people being discipled into real relationships with Christ. Our church is about making disciples. The Bible, uh, Jesus said, go out and make disciples. He didn't say make churches. He didn't say make church attendees. He didn't say make people who call themselves Christians and go into buildings once a week. He said, make disciples. And, uh, and to see that happening in your life, man, is... Uh, Man, there's so many better people that God could use, and he just keeps using average folks. <laughs> I'm not talking about Gary. I'm, I'm talking about me. It's like, dude, like, I'm sure there was a better church. I'm sure there was a better pastor. You know what I mean? You came into the church, and it's been a crazy season pretty much the whole 10 years, but you came at a crazy time, and you didn't run away. It's crazy, but it's special. All right, so back to our, our time away for Mary and I for just a minute. We wanted to focus on hearing from God. We wanted to focus on rest, and we wanted to focus on time with our family. We have three uh, small kids, and we've been doing ministry full-time for 10 years, and we really felt like uh, this particular time we just wanted to, to be rested, and we wanted to look our kids in the eyes and actually have focus and attention with them. And uh, we enjoyed our time. We enjoyed the kids. I took a week off of work of the two weeks that I was gone. The first week I was off of work. So we came back happy. We came back healthy. We came back rested and excited to be here with you guys. When it comes to hearing from God, I think both of us are on a little bit of an overload. We actually spent more time in church services while we were gone than we would have if we had actually been here. Um, the first weekend that, that we took off, Mary and I flew up to Sacramento. Then we got into a rental car and we drove two hours to Redding and we vid visited a church called Bethel in Redding, California. That's where the fires are right now, so if you could pray for them. But we went up there on, on Friday. Uh, we got there and drove all the way up there. We went to a Friday night church service. Then on Saturday morning, we went to a healing service. Then after the healing service, we went to a prayer service. Then on Sunday morning, we went to a Sunday morning service. Then on Sunday night, we went to a Sunday night service. And then on Monday, we jumped on a plane and got back home um, to be with our family, spend the week um, with the kids. So that was just the first weekend. Then uh, during the week, we took the kids to Raging Waters, and Nate and I were in line. This young little girl, the same age as my son, 10 years old, she started telling us, have you been on this ride? Are you scared? And I was trying to be tough in front of my son. I'm like, I'm not scared. He might be scared. She was like, well, this is my favorite ride. I've been on it 10 times. And then I said, what's your name? She said, Ariel. And this, I said, is that your brother? She said, yeah, what's, what's his name? Solomon. I said, hey, your, your brother has the name of a king. And she said, I know. Do you guys go to church? <laughs> 10 year old girl, right? I said, yeah, we do. Do you? She said, yeah, we go to church. I'm going to introduce you to my mom. 
So we went on the ride like two or three times. We all went together and then uh, we seen her mom. She's like, this is my mom, Sarah. Her mom turned out to be uh, part of a prayer ministry for, for a, I guess it's a pretty well-known church called Influence in Anaheim. And we start talking. She's like, you have to come Sunday night to our church. We're having a worship service and a prayer service. And I feel like God is going to speak to you and your wife. And I said, look, Lord, this is why we're on vacation. We want to hear from you. You know, uh, tell us what to do. So Sunday morning we woke up. We visited a, a friend of mine's church in Chino. It's a Southlands church. The pastor's name is Kelly. His wife is named Marianne. So we went over there just to receive. Had a great time at their service Sunday night. We went to Influence Church. Uh, many of you know Matt Gilman. I don't know. I'm getting more in, in line with who all these worship leaders are instead of just their songs. But there was a song that he, that he wrote like maybe five or six years ago called Holy. Is, what's that? Ten years ago? See, I don't know. But it really ministered to me, and he happened to be the worship leader at that church. It was, it was awesome to go and, and worship with those folks on Sunday night. Then on Monday of this last week, we went to the Praise Chapel World Conference. We were there Monday night. We were there Tuesday night. We were there Wednesday night. We were there Thursday night. Mary went on Tuesday morning. So in all, we went to over 12 church services. <laughs> we went to, um, personally, I just had some great time in my word. I was able to, in addition to reading my Bible, I was able to read uh, two and a half books that I've been wanting to get to that have been really encouraging and great for me. I listened to three books on audio. I don't know if you guys do that. I didn't know that was a thing, but I was able to, to do that during this time away. And I think that when I say overload, there's some things that are going to be shared over the coming months and over this coming season. But there's three things that I really want to just open with and share with you guys from my experience over these last two weeks and all that God has been doing and saying. The first is that God is amazing everywhere. You know, sometimes when you, when you just go to a church and you're just around the same group of people, I hope it's a great church, and I hope that's how you feel if you're part of this church, but we can easily forget that he's amazing everywhere. We can start to be like us four and no more, and that church is bad. And it, no, God is amazing, and he loves his people, and he's all over the world moving in a powerful way. So that was great to see. The second is that every church... No matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how well-known, or no matter how unknown a church is, we're all just regular churches. Amen. I think sometimes that's another thing. We start to look out and say, that church has probably got, like, the Holy Spirit must actually, like, live there. Even when they leave, he just stays. Or that church must just have the most powerful word coming forth, or the most powerful worship. Coming we're all just churches. When it comes to God's church, though, it's still the most amazing thing on the planet, if you ask me. But every church is just an amazing church of God. There's, there's, it's not like they have a better Jesus anywhere. It's not like they have a, a, a better Holy Spirit anywhere. Right. Every church that, that calls on the name of Jesus is an amazing church. And, uh, but we're all just regular churches. We're all just regular people. You know, I went to Israel in 2014. And we all thought that we were going to get off the plane and everybody was going to be like floating. All these Israelis were going to be like floating with the Holy Spirit. And No, you know when you get there, what you realize is that they don't believe in Jesus and they don't believe in, therefore, the Holy Spirit that comes through faith in Jesus, which means we show up with more of God than is actually there on the ground. It was really interesting when I got there and, and figured that out. Um, I think sometimes we make the same mistake when it comes to the church world. You know, you are the carrier of the Spirit of God. So it doesn't matter where you go, he's there. Amen. And then the last one is that there's no place like home. There's no place like home, and, and uh, I think we can forget that too. If I could, if I could, if God was to say, Vaughn, my son, where do you want to worship? What people do you want to be with? Where, where, where can I place you? It'd be right there. Amen. That's like my spot right there. 
I get in the front so you guys don't have to hear me screaming and worshiping, but this is, these are my people. This is the worship team that God has chosen to teach me how to worship and to teach me how to praise him. This is the place that he, he meets me and ministers to me and teaches me his word. There is no place like home. No place like home. Couldn't wait to, to get back to you guys. It was very hard. Um, we wanted to show up because I was back in town. We wanted to go to outreach and we wanted to, to come to prayer. And I kept telling Mary, we would look at each other and she'd be like, I want to go tonight. And I'm like, we can't. Just let God do what he's doing in them. But it was very, very difficult. Um, but that is over and I'm back. You remember how you feel right now when you get tired of me in a couple weeks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So I just want to pray one more time. Lord, have your way. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the rest. Thank you for, for uh, giving me vision, giving me dreams, Lord, giving me confirmation and giving me direction, Lord, for, uh, for what you've called me to do, Lord God. Thank you for, for showing me uh, what it is that you're doing in the lives of the people who are here in this church, Lord God. Thank you for grace and for mercy, Lord. Thank you for providing, uh, moving me out of the way and moving my wife out of the way, Lord God, that others would be able to, to grow and accelerate, Lord. Um, everything that we do is about you. Everything that we, we believe is about you coming alive in people's lives, Lord. And we thank you that we get to see that uh, on a daily and on a weekly basis, Lord God. Um, as we look at this, this word, Lord, about evangelism, Lord, and about sharing what it is that we found in you, I pray that it would be encouraging, Lord, and not discouraging, God. I pray that it would be inspiring, Lord God, and not overwhelming, Lord. Uh, we just love you, and it's all by your grace, all by your mercy, and your word uh, is what we need, Lord. It holds faithful and it holds true. So have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. All right. So our July series is called Soap. It's the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, this series that we've been in, and it's about evangelism, like I said, which is to take what we have come to know about the Lord and get it out to other people, not to hide it or to keep it in the church. There are too many churches where, you know, we live our lives outside and we all come into this building and we remember who Jesus is and we talk about him and we worship him and we hug each other, we kiss each other, then we go back into the world and it's as if we don't know him. And nobody would know that we're Christians if we don't wear a cross, we don't wear a t-shirt that says, I love Jesus. And then we come back every week and we do that. That is not how God designed his church. That is not how God designed the ministry. Uh, he told the disciples to go out. Amen. You know, in his three years, he didn't meet at the temple very often at all. He was walking with them in the world. And that's how he ran into people. That's how he met people. And that's how he healed people is actually out there in the world, not inside of the church. The theme scripture has been Psalm chapter 51, verse 7. It says, uh, David says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then, say then, Yes. Say then. Yes. And then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Everything that was cried out for the individual to have in their relationship with God was so that afterwards they could tell the world about being forgiven of sins and have transgressors be forgiven and have sinners be converted uh, to Christ. 
Many of us are still in that struggle of even wanting to be washed by God, much less thinking after the washing that they might be able to be used to go out into a world that needs washing as well. Wash me, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Pour your spirit into my life, and then I'm going to go out and talk to people about you. The first message of our SOAP series, S-O-A-P, the first S was sincerely subjective, and that is about telling people your true story. How did you get saved? What did God do? What were you dealing with? What were you addicted to? What was uh, uh, consuming your mind? What was consuming your thoughts? And how did God actually do something in your life? It's not about going out to people and saying, let me tell you about Jesus and what he's capable of doing. It's about going to people and saying, let me tell you what Jesus actually did for me what he actually did in my life, what he actually healed me from. I don't want to know that he's a healer. I want to hear your testimony about what he healed. I don't want to know that he's just a forgiver. I want to know what does it feel like to be forgiven? You have to be sincerely subjective about your testimony and share it with people. The Bible says we're saved by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You want the people that you love and care about to be saved, share with them what it is that the Savior can do in their life, what he's done in your life. So that was the S. In week two, we had obviously objective. So the, the subjectivity of your testimony means all of our testimonies are different. Don't take mine and try to regurgitate it. I can't take yours and try to regurgitate it. It's subjective. It matters about your feelings, your opinions, your age, what you were going through in your life. The obviously objective portion is the word of God is objective. What God says, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, how old you are, how you grew up, what kind of upbringing you had, what you thought church was supposed to be. No. It does not matter. Whatever God says is his word. It is true and it applies to everybody. If he says you can be forgiven, you can be forgiven. If he says I forgive all sins, you can't look at somebody and say yours is so ugly that I don't think God really will forgive you. Amen. It's not subjective. It's objective. No matter what we've done. That's important when it comes to evangelism. We like to, to look at certain groups and kind of disqualify them or put limits upon what we think God might do in their life. So in week three, uh, it was about being always aware. The idea was this. If we believe in God and we believe in heaven and hell and we believe in forgiveness of sins and we believe that if you're not forgiven, you're going to hell, being aware means as you're at the grocery store, as you're with your friends and family, as you are uh, uh, just going about your daily life, as you're at work, are you aware that some people that are standing right next to you are going to go to hell? It doesn't even affect you. When we walk through the world, we should be always aware. Do you think it would please God that we just go through our lives and literally we are oblivious to the fact that, man, that's my niece, that's my nephew, that's my cousin, that's my brother, that's my coworker. We work together day in and day out. We retire together after 40 years of working and I just let them go to hell because I was unaware of the things that matter most. I talked to them more about what job they weren't doing. I talked to them more about what they were doing in school and education. I talked to them more about, you know, how much money do you have? What kind of car are you going to get? What school? Are we aware that people are going to either go to heaven or hell? If you're not aware, the chances of actually sharing anything or being prompted by the Holy Spirit to do anything is very, very low. Need to be aware of what's going on in people's lives and actually slow down just a little bit and care. The enemy, I think, has a, has a heavy hand in this because he keeps us so busy that it's hard to care. Yep. It's hard to be aware what God might be doing. And then the last week was properly prepared. Many of us, if we have a testimony and we're willing to share it, right, if we understand the objectiveness of the word of God, how it applies to everybody, 
and we're aware of what's going on in people's lives, sometimes we just feel un unprepared. What do you actually say? How do you actually minister to that person? If somebody's addicted, what, what should you share with them and how do you testify to them? If somebody's uh, in Islam, how do you talk to them about the differences of our faith? If somebody has sexual identity issues and is struggling with their gender, are you prepared to minister to them through the word of God? If your kids are going through something and they're losing their faith, are you prepared to talk to them about restoring their faith? Is it just going to happen because we love God and we want God, or do we need to actually be properly prepared to do the ministering that he wants us to do? When Jesus walked with the disciples, he was showing them, he was preparing them to deal with people from all different walks of life. Amen. In the beginning, they're walking with him, and they say, why are you talking to this woman at a well, and she's a Samaritan? Later on, because they've been prepared, Peter's, Peter is sitting in the house with Gentiles, eating with them, and the Holy Spirit falls on them. He says, I will not call anything unclean that God has called clean. Why? Because they got prepared to minister to people. It doesn't just happen. So soap <laughs> is about washing our minds from our old stinking way of thinking, right? Being cleansed, right? And seeing things the way that God would have us to see them and being able to move so that lives can be changed. Mark 8.36 says, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Today what I want to talk to you guys about is the washing and the winning of our families. The washing and the winning of our families. We've been looking at the world that's out there and, and going out there and sidewalk sanctuary and, and all these things, but what about your actual family? The people in your household, that, that family, that nucleus, mother, father, kids in the household. What will it profit a whole man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? I think this can also be applied to the family. What does it profit if you're able to go out and see a bunch of people saved and see the world change and worship and do all these things, but then your marriage falls apart and your spouse doesn't make it to heaven? You do all these things for the kingdom and your kids don't believe. Heard a pastor testifying about how they have a church of 10,000 and his kids don't believe. Whose responsibility is that? Whose responsibility is it for your home? In Genesis chapter 22, verse 5, it says this. Abraham said to these young men, stay here with the donkey. My son and I will go up yonder to worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, I, Here I am, son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Many of us know this story, right? God had told Abraham to sacrifice his son, but I think there's so many keys here. Abraham is with his son. He has other men with him, and he says, hey, you other men stay here. This is about me and my boy, me as his father, me and my boy. And he says, we're going to go up and praise God. We're going to go up and offer to God. We're going to go up and make a, uh, uh, we're going to go up and worship God. I'm going to teach you about building an altar. I'm going to teach you about sacrifices. And his son's saying, dad, and he says, I'm right here, son. 
This ain't FaceTime, this ain't a phone call, this ain't I'm too busy working, I'm right here, son, what do you need? Well, I kind of understand some of this, but where's the actual offering? God will provide. I'm teaching you, son, God will provide. That's an engaged father, responsible for the salvation of his son. And he makes a, a declaration to them when he first left. He knows God has already told him to sacrifice your son, but what did he say to the guys? We are coming back. I know my God, and I know how he loves me, and I know how he loves my son. We will be back. Tells his son God's going to provide. Proverbs 31, 26, it says this about a woman. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. This is the kind of woman that God calls every woman to be. She watches over her household. She is not idle. Her children and her husband rise up and call her blessed. Late, lately, Mary and I at the house, we, we have the same things going on that you guys have going on. God will do something. We'll say, oh, man, son, you're so lucky, or I'm so lucky, right? And then my son says to her, mom, you are not lucky. You are blessed. Amen. <clears throat> Ten years old. I read it in Proverbs. Her children rise up and call her blessed. This focus this morning, I think, is fitting. We have a couple of beautiful young children that are going to be dedicated. Uh, but long gone are the days of parents being able to say, I vow to take my kids to church, and by doing that, I know they're going to serve and love Jesus for the rest of their life. You must be kidding. Amen. You must be kidding. I don't know if those days ever existed, but they definitely do not exist now. Just bringing your kids in and out of a building every week and not doing anything additional to that in your home is not going to guarantee their salvation. Just coming to church with your boyfriend or your spouse does not guarantee that both of you are going to engage and encounter Christ, be changed and transformed, and keep growing into the glory of God. It, it's not just because you show up. There's some soap and some washing that needs to take place. Whose responsibility is that? Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus is speaking, and he says to the disciples, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and he who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. And he sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. Amen, it says. So this scripture, I think a lot of us take it or, or we've heard it and we look at it and it's like this super hyper spiritual thing for a certain small group of people. I want you to apply it to your life and to your family and to your home, your actual home, the walls that you live within, right? That place you're going to drive that car to tonight and where you're going to go to sleep. I want us to try to apply it to our homes and to our families. He says, these are the signs that will follow those who actually believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. What does that look like? 
That looks like you in your home saying, in the name of Jesus, the enemy is not welcome in this home and he's not welcome in the affairs of this family. When's the last time your kids heard you say that? When's the last time your spouse heard you say that? We belong to Jesus and the enemy is not welcome here. If you're trying to infiltrate this family and this house, get out. Oh no, this this is for pastors and super spiritual people. There's something in my house. Call them. Jesus says they will speak with new tongues. It's not just about praying in the spirit or having the gift of of tongues. What he's saying is, in your home, when's the last time this conversation was going on? Listen, we don't talk like that anymore. We don't speak to each other that way anymore. We don't speak to anybody that way anymore. We honor God and he is doing something in here. Our language will be a testimony as to what God has done in our lives. Can your kids look at you and say, Mom, you don't talk like you used to talk. You don't say what you used to say. Dad, I, I can't even remember the last time I heard you get angry or say something rude to mom or to down talk her or to cuss in this house. That's speaking with a new tongue. Something's changed. Amen. Or is it the gift of tongues that can't apply to you if you feel like you don't have that gift or you haven't learned how to pray in the spirit? No, God's saying you should speak differently. You should sound differently. People at work should be like, man, something's not the same with you. The jokes you used to laugh at, you don't laugh at. The things you used to say, you don't say anymore. Jesus is saying, this is what happens to those who believe. He says, they'll take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. What does that look like in your home? Listen, husband, wife, son, daughter, we are going to do things that we shouldn't do. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to be in situations that we do not want to be in. However, we will not be overcome by them like we used to be overcome by them. They will not cause death and destruction in this home like it used to cause death and destruction in our lives. When daddy used to take off for weeks at a time, when mommy used to ignore and do her own thing for weeks at a time, Because of the decisions that we were making, those things will no longer have the authority they used to have in our lives. When we take up something that we shouldn't take up, right? When we drink something that's deadly, it's not going to kill us. We have a source of life within us that goes beyond everything else. Is that what it sounds like in your home? It says they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is Jesus. What does that look like? Your kids are sick. Your kids are struggling. There's an ailment in the husband. There's an ailment in the wife. We're not calling somebody else to come in. The super spiritual was saying, I am an ambassador of Jesus Christ, the living God who died and rose from the grave and ascended into heaven. His spirit dwells within me. Husbands, when's the last time you put your hand on your wife and said, in the name of Jesus, because he lives in me, I believe you will be healed. If your kids are going through something, do they come to you and say, pray for me, mom? Pray for me, dad? Talk to Jesus for me. Do your kids pray? Are your kids stopping you and saying, no, we're not going to eat without saying grace? When you're struggling, our kids know when we have an attitude or when we're angry, when we're frustrated, do they come to you because there's a spirit of prayer and they say, we don't need an outside entity. Within this home, we can place hands and be healed. What church do you belong to? What king is on the throne of your home? Will we look back and say we went to church and we saw great things happen in the ministry, but we lost our families because none of these things were alive in our home? He finishes it by saying, the Lord spoke to them. He went back into heaven and they went out and preached everywhere and the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. This is being able to say to our families, hey, 
slow down. Let's just look and see, man, God is with us. Amen. He's showing us that he's with us. Look what he did here. Look what he did there. Amen. There's signs. I mentioned our brother who, who lost his cousin recently, just about a week or so ago. And when I talked to him on the phone, you know, it wasn't like somebody that, that lost somebody in the world. He was like, man, I'm excited. I said, why? He said, he gave his life to the Lord. He came to church. His kids knew that he had given his life to the Lord. So you can look at his kids and you can look at your own kids and be able to say, listen, even though we are struggling, even though there's difficulties, he's with us. There's accompanying signs for who God is and what he's doing in our lives. Amen. So what soap are you using in your house? <laughs> Are you applying these things to your marriage, your relationship, your children? One of the main things that, that I came back with uh, from my time away, and I told Mary, I think just yesterday, hey, 10, 9, and 5, I got less than 10 years until, until my oldest two are probably going to be out of the house and gone. The time is now. We can't be too busy doing church stuff than to look at our children and know exactly what's going on with them and minister directly to them in their actual lives. I love our children's church ministry and I love what they are doing, but God is not going to look at me and say, hey, Vaughn, uh, why did these things, why did you allow these things to happen? I mean, I thought Vanessa had it handled. <laughs> She's the children's church director. <laughs> He's going to say, no, you guys, were, you guys were at church twice a week. And the world said, y'all crazy, twice a week. <laughs> but your kids are with you seven days a week. You need to know when they come home from school, did they just teach them about sexual identity and what's right and what's wrong, and you're oblivious because you're out on the sidewalks talking about come to the way. Did they just tell your kids that they were created by a series of accidents that took place and explosions that took place and they have no intrinsic value and they do not have a soul. And here you are at the altar praying in the spirit. And your kids are like, where did I come from? But you won't talk to them. And then you're going to say, but I took them to church. Must be out of your minds. Me first. Me first. My kids first. So soap. When's the last time you shared sincerely with your spouse exactly what you've been going through spiritually? Think about it. When's the last time you looked at her or you looked at him and said, I remember what it felt like when I got saved and, and this is what I'm going through right now. This is, this is what it feels like in my struggles. Oh, and babe, this is what it feels like in my victories. When's the last time you were sincere in your expression of what's going on in your faith with the person you love the most? We have to see our spouses in the spiritual realm, which means we have to have spiritual conversations. Yes, amen. Right? We can see the normal and the physical everywhere. That's how we engage with most people. But especially for your spouse to be able to look somebody in the eye and say, this is what I'm going through spiritually. This is what I think. This is what I feel. This is what hurts. This is what feels good. What do you think about that? When's the last time you had a sincere conversation like that? My wife leads worship here. And I asked her, after being at Bethel, 
They have a worldwide worship movement that's taking place right now in the kingdom of God. We went to, like I said, about five services when we were there. They always start, who's here from out of the country? And at least 50 people in every service stand up. People are coming from all over the world because of their worship and the, and the, and the movement of worship. So in my spirit, I began to say, look, Lord, uh, I want to check on my wife. She's a worship leader, and she's also a woman. <laughs> and we know how easily the spirit of comparison comes into the lives of women. Right? I'm not joking. You guys know. So I said, babe, and I didn't beat around the bush. Babe, listen, in our time of worship at Bethel, were you more encouraged or discouraged? And she said, I was encouraged. And I said, tell me why. She said, I'm reminded that God loves to hear the heart and the voice of every one of his sons and daughters. So one, that showed me her spiritual maturity, right? Two, it showed me that I don't have to worry about her in this particular area right now. But what I was ready to do was say, Holy Spirit, come into her and wash her. Wash her mind from the spirit of lies and comparison and fill her with the spirit of truth that she is unique and loved by the Father. What are you guys talking about with your spouses in the spiritual realm? Are you sincerely dealing with what's going on? Are you objective in your relationship? When's the last time the Bible had the last word in an argument in your home? When's the last time you guys were going at it and somebody said, this is what the word of God says and this is what we're going to do. I don't like it, you don't like it, but God has the final voice and authority in this home. Are we objective or not? When's the last time you women, wives, wives wives-to-be, looked at him and said, I'm struggling with this. I don't like it, but I will submit to the will of God and I will submit to you as my husband. And I will do it with a good attitude, not with a bad attitude while I say I submitted. (laughs) (laughs) When's the last time you men came to your wives, your spouses, and said, I am falling short when it comes to providing for you and leading you, but I will do what God has called me to do. I will work hard. I will read his word. I will lead you in worship. I will show you how to sing. I will show our kids how to pray. I will be the one to read the Bible. So when you have a question, you come to me first. Instead of getting online and asking our pastor or some random pastor, no, come to me. I'm your husband. I'm going to do it, and I will not fail. Are you objective with the word of God and applying it into our relationships? Not in the world, in your home. We need to call on the Holy Spirit. Wash us, Lord. Wash away doubt. Wash away fear. Wash away our thinking that we are going to fall short or we're going to go without by being obedient to your word. How about awareness of the life and death battles that our kids are going through in their schools and with their friends, their uncertainties about themselves, and their uncertainties about us as their parents? Are you aware that the enemy wants to use those things to draw them away from you and away from God and into death? I mean, are we really aware? This week, Nate's been away for the first time. He went to Vegas with like, his aunt for a basketball tournament, and he doesn't come home till later on today. She, she called me on um, Saturday and said, hey, Nate, 
was afraid to call you on Friday night because he lost two games. <laughs> he lost two games, and, and I don't know how he played or not, but she said, he's afraid to call you. And I was just thinking to myself, my senses are heightened because he's gone, but this is what was going through my heart. I was thinking, I don't care if you win. I don't care if you lose. All I care about is that you get back to me safely. I just want you home. I miss my son. I love my son. I just want to embrace him and hug him. But look at that disconnect. All I care about is him getting home safely, and all he's thinking about is, Dad's going to be mad because I lost a basketball game. Think about what the enemy could do with that. Your dad doesn't love you. All he cares about is your performance. I don't care about performance. He doesn't want you to really be happy. He wants you to make him happy by the way that you behave. It might not sound like much at, at 10, but how many stories do we hear about kids leaving the church, leaving their family, leaving their parents, getting addicted to drugs, right? Getting addicted to sex and relationships, leaving the church and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And it starts with something like this because we're just not aware. We're just not aware that my son thinks the only way to please me is to win a basketball game and to perform well in it. Wash away those lies, Lord. Give my son the truth and give him peace. I started texting him. He doesn't have a phone, but I sent him with one of my work phones so I can text him this whole week while he's gone. So last night, I'm going through the message, and it was like 11 o'clock at night, right? I started texting him, son, I love you. I don't care if you win or lose. Just come home safe. Daddy loves you. And he responds back, thanks, Dad. I love you, too. And I'm like, why are you up at 11 o'clock at night? <laughs> Get off this phone, boy. Just be aware. Be aware. How about prepared to fight the battles of our lives? We all have unique challenges. We have the same enemy, but our challenges are different. The church attendance and the one-size-fits-all is not going to be enough to be victorious in your life. We have to know our actual enemies. We have to have a plan of defense and an offensive plan of attack. I pray that the Holy Spirit would wash away all of our false sense of security. <laughs> that whatever it is that makes you think your kids are just going to be okay, and your family's just going to be okay, and your marriage is I pray that the Spirit will just wash that away and show you the truth so that you can have confidence knowing that you've been prepared, knowing that you're preparing your children for the reality of what's coming against them. I felt God saying that we need strong families and we need a strong sense of community in the church. Amen. I think we have that more than some churches here in this place, but I feel like God's saying we need to turn it up. Amen. Get strong families, get strong community. There's no perfect families. Our families are all jacked up here in this place. That's kind of how it works. That's how we all come. We have families of all shapes and sizes. We have dating couples. We have married couples. We have couples with kids. We have couples without kids. We have single parents. We have blended families. But the key this morning is that we can all be strong. Amen. Every family, no matter what it looks like, can be a strong family. Amen. Our families can be completely one for Jesus. I'd, I'd hate to see, like, my brother Devin worship and lead us in worship and then have something happen to those two beautiful girls where they don't know their identity in Christ and they don't know their Savior. I hate to see Junior out there leading Sidewalk Sanctuary telling strangers about who God is and what he can do for them and have something happen to his marriage or something happen to his two beautiful girls and the son that's on the way. 
right? Like, come on, like, wipe away the, uh, the illusion of confidence <laughs> that it's just gonna fall into place because you love Jesus and because you worship Jesus. It's not how it works. When somebody gets saved, I thought about it recently in this church. They'll get saved on a Sunday. We don't meet again till Wednesday. And we're just like, cool, man, I'm glad that that happened to you. We'll see you on Wednesday. <laughs> this person has been born again. Everything they know has been changed. And everything that they were going to has now been redirected. They are born again, which means they're like a newborn baby. And we're just going to leave them on the side of the curb for two or three days and hope that they come back excited by Wednesday. The church we read about in the Bible is they embrace them into a family. You know, when we read the scriptures about how the church was birthed, just imagine everything they knew when they say we're going to put our faith in Jesus, their families disowned them, they lost all their inheritance, they lost all their wealth, and all they have is a group of ragtag fishermen to hang out with, and they're like, look, you're with us now every single day, all the time, we're here for you. It would be child endangerment if we left a kid on the curb, newborn baby, for two or three days. But we do it all the time in the church because we, we forgot about community. It's one of my favorite scriptures, Hebrews 10.32. It says, recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by the reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. God's saying, remember what it was like when you first got saved and you were losing your mind and you didn't know what was up and what was down and you were so confused and so scared, right? Remember how hard that was, but thank God there were some people there to embrace you and to hug you and to love you. Do that for other people. Don't be too busy. Don't be too tired. Don't say I don't have enough to give for them. Don't say that I don't have enough time to feed them or to have them into our home. We got to embrace those people and our kids need to see it. Our kids need to look at other people getting saved and how the community embraces them. So they don't say, I hate the church, I don't like the church, and the church didn't do anything for me, and they were always this. No, they should be able to say, listen, you, that may have been your experience, but in my church, we saw people get saved, we saw people get loved, we saw people get healed, we saw people be given food and be given shelter and be given homes. The world has convinced us that we're too busy. We need to have our, our minds washed of that. I'll be the first to tell you that I've felt like that a lot of times. I'm tired, y'all. That's what I'd say. I'm here all the time. I'm studying all the time. I'm preparing all the time. I'm fighting with everybody all the time. I don't have any more time. And God's like, stop lying. You got time to do everything else you want to do? Love people. Enjoy people. Spend time with people. If you have to eat, eat with somebody. You got to go shopping, call somebody else up. They got to go shopping too. Shop together. You're going to go see a movie? Go see a movie with one of your brothers or one of your sisters. You know you're going to be a little bit more tired that next day because you went to fellowship and you have work or the kids have school. It's not going to kill you. You'll be all right. Go. Drive. Do it. That's how we wash and win our families. That's how we live in daily victory. So I'm going to bring it to a close with a story that I think hopefully will encourage you guys. When it comes to cleansing and what soap can do, we learned in the first week, we saw a video that said it's highly dependent upon water. <laughs> soap with no water is not gonna get you very far. You know, the, the video was pretty educational. It said that the chemicals in soap, what they do is, is on one half of that chemical, it draws dirt. On the other half, it draws oils. And then when the water comes, it connects to the water as well. And that's what actually washes it away from you. 
So we could have the soap and draw all these things to us without the washing and without the water, it's going to stay on you. It needs to be swept away. It needs to be washed away. So this story is about water and the winning of your family. Just a few verses from Genesis. Chapter 6, verse 5 says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I'll destroy man whom I created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I'll destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you should make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window in the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above. And set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark. You, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you, and they shall be male and female. This is the story of, of Noah's Ark. I think most of us, we hear like as kids and in children's church, something like that. Uh, it goes on from Genesis 6 through, 6 through Genesis 11. If you get a chance, read through the whole thing. I just want to point out a couple of wonderful things that I think can apply to you and your house and the washing of your family. The first is in verse 9. Noah's, it says that Noah was a just man. And in our offering today, we heard Jesus that we need to give our tithe, but also do not neglect justice and a love for God. It says, Noah loved God. He was righteous. He walked with God, and he was just. Isn't it interesting that he also got saved? It's not that complicated. You want to be saved? Love God and do justice. Love God and try to do the right thing in every situation, circumstance that you come up against. Amen. Justice. Justice. It says that Noah found grace in the eyes of God because he was just. In verse 14, God says to Noah, make yourself an ark of gopher wood and make rooms in the ark. God tells Noah exactly how to be saved from certain death. You don't have to be confused. I promise you, you don't have to take my word for it. God will tell you exactly what it takes to be saved from certain death. Make an ark. Make it of gopher wood. It might not make sense what's about to happen, and you've never seen it before, but just hear my voice. Do what I've told you to do. I will save you from certain death. Amen. That's what God says to Moses, or excuse me, to Noah in verse 14. Then in verse 18, this is what God says. Even though I'm going to flood everything, I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your son, your wife, and your son's wives 
with you. Think about this. God puts the saving of Noah's family into Noah's hands. God puts the saving of your family into your hands. God doesn't say, tell them about church. Take them to church. He says, I'm going to teach you how to build an ark, and then you need to make sure that your wife and your sons and their wives get into this ark. You have a role to play. What is that role? It took them like 100 years to build the ark. What that means is they saw it in action. Noah would hear from God and talk to God, but then his family saw his actions of obedience and labor for God. You want your family to be saved? Be obedient and labor for the kingdom. They can't just hear you talk about what God is and what you heard from God. They need to see you swinging a hammer. They need to see you cutting some wood. They need to see you building an ark. They need to see you getting into the ark and calling them to that. It's nobody else's responsibility. He says, I'm establishing my covenant with you. You go make the ark and take these people with you. Be honest with yourself this morning. If you ask your kids, what do you see daddy building? What would they say? Babies, what do you see mommy building? Do they see an ark? Do they see a building? Do they see safety? Do they see labor for Jesus? Do they, do they hear you saying, God told me to build it like this and to do it like this, and this is what the height should be, and this is what the width should be, and, and this is why we need to do this. Does your, does your wife hear that from you? Man, God's given this man a plan. God's given this man a vision. God's given this man direction. I'm going to follow him. I'm, he's going to lead me to safety. He's going to protect me from things that I'm not aware are even ahead of me. This is the story of Noah. It's not just about some water coming down. <laughs> See, many of us are challenged with, with hearing from God like Noah did, but I've found that more people are actually hearing from God but just refuse to do the labor. We all hear from God for the most part. We just struggle with doing the labor, and then we wonder why we're losing everything that's valuable to us. This is the great part. Verse 19, after Noah's family is supposed to get um, into the ark, God tells Noah, hey, now I need you to get two of every kind of animal from the whole planet and get them into the ark. That's kind of probably what it sounds like to many of you when I say it's time to do sidewalk sanctuary. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to take 10 of us, we're going to go out into the city, and we're going to get everybody saved. It sounds overwhelming. It sounds challenging, right? Moses, or excuse me, Noah was not prepared for this or, or, or developed for this. And God says, hey, you're the one with the ark. I need you to get all these animals in there. But check this out. Verse 20, this is what God says. He says, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. See, they say this like about dogs that they can sense fear and they, can, they know when an earthquake is coming and animals have like this sixth, sixth sense, right? And God says, even the animals are going to recognize that their salvation lies with you and this ark. And they're going to come to you. You're not even going to have to go looking for them. Wouldn't it be amazing if the people that you love and care about would have this sense that they're in danger and that they truly need to be saved and they'd be able to look at us and say, that's why they've been building that ark. 
man, they look safe. They look secure. They look peaceful. They seem confident. I wonder if we can go with them where they're going. We won't even have to go out for them because they'll be coming to us. I got an email five o'clock in the morning yesterday. Came through our website, email came through directly to me. And a man said, can I talk to you? I have a confession that I need to make and I need help. Never, never met this person before, five o'clock in the morning. So I respond back to the email, hey, let's talk around 11. I wanna give myself some time to pray. I have no idea what this person's about to tell me. So let's talk around 11. He called me 11 o'clock on the dot. And it was amazing. He said, I heard you preach in a church a year ago. And he said, you seem like a man of wisdom. You seem like a man with a good heart. And I feel like there's something I need to confess. And I can't, I don't feel like I can do that in my church. I wanted to share with you. He talked to me for a half an hour about all the different things that he's dealing with and going through. And at the end of that time, we definitely did pray together. I encouraged him, like, listen, number one, uh, the church that you're in is not just a place to go to and, and hang out every week. Go talk to your pastor. Go talk to the elders and leaders there. This is where the rubber meets the road. It's, church isn't just to go when everything's happy and you worship. Church is the place where I have to have somebody I can actually go to to say, this is what I'm actually dealing with, and this is what's really going on in my heart and my mind and my actions. I said, I'm here for you, and I'm glad that you had somebody to reach out to. This is how I felt. I felt like he was saying, I know that guy has an ark. The interesting thing is I know the church he's from, and there are many arcs there. Don't come to my church, and you don't have to call me. I'll pray with you because you did, but there's arts there. Go and deal with these people. They have love. They have grace. They're there for you. And I thought about how many people are in churches where it's just like we just miss it, the whole point of why we're there and what we're doing. We pray together, and afterwards, again, thinking about this message, it's like, Lord, man, that man was drowning. That man was drowning. I'm glad I had an ark. And I'm not the ark. I was able to tell him, look, man, you're saved. Jesus loves you. You are forgiven. This isn't Catholicism. I'm not going to absolve you. Jesus has already done that for you. What you need is what Jesus says. He says, don't forsake the assembly. Gather together to confess to one another and to be healed. He's looking for healing. He was afraid because he got a bad report from the doctors, and it doesn't look like he has long. And he's thinking about the things that he hadn't confessed, and he wanted to confess it to somebody. And we're frustrated about ridiculous things. He shouldn't have to go somewhere else, somewhere outside or somewhere else looking for what he should be able to find in his church. A husband or a wife should not have to go out of their relationship looking for something they should find in their marriage. Children should not have to go outside of their family looking for something they should find within their family. Members of this church should not have to go out of this church looking for something that they should be able to find in this church. God expects us to win our families. He says true religion is to care for and visit the orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep one unspotted from the world. What he's saying is you should already have an ark and your family should already be in it and then all you have to do is care for orphans, which are those that don't have families or an ark to go into, and widows, which are those that do not have a groom 
to care for them and to provide for them. We are all the bride of Christ. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. He's saying there are men and women out there that don't have a groom and they don't know what it's like to be under that covering. And there are sons and daughters out there with no father and no mother that don't know what it's like to be part of a family. And true religion is not to play church. It's to be able to make sure your family is in that ark and that you're part of that family and then to go out and bring others into it. God gives hope at the end. Matter of fact, worship team, come. He says this in Genesis chapter 9, verse 11. Actually, you know what? Just, just Isaiah. Come on up for a minute. He says this in Genesis 11. At the end of all that flood and all that stuff, God says, I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For perpetual generations, I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. I was talking to my daughter about rainbows recently and my son about rainbows. We were actually reading the story of Noah in the little children's Bible, me and Niall, while I was on vacation this week, and explaining to him what the rainbow is and what it means. Came out of church during our last series um, about planting, and that's a little bit hard to see here. But I've never seen anything like this. There was a rainbow in the sky right outside of the church, and it was a full circle. I don't know if you could tell. I mean, when, when people were calling each other, we're taking pictures and taking videos. I've never seen anything like that before. And we were talking about a season to plant and a time to plant and a time to grow things in your life and grow things in your family. And we came outside, and I felt like God was saying, like, oh, I've made a promise to you as a, as a man. I made a promise to you as a husband. I made a promise to you as a father. I made a promise to you as a pastor of a church. And I will complete what it is that I promised you. Just remain faithful. It was special to see it. You leave that up there, Ray. You don't have to put this scripture. The last scripture was Genesis chapter 9, verse 20. After all that, we know the story. They're looking for land, and, and the raven goes out and, and comes back, and then the dove goes out and comes back, and then the dove goes out and comes back with the olive branch, like, hey, there's land. Took them months after that before they could actually get out and, and, and uh, go back onto land. And it says this about Noah in Genesis 9:20. It says, Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. His life got flipped upside down, turned every which way, he was a shipbuilder. He was uh, being used for the salvation of his family. He was uh, running a zoo. <laughs> and now he's a farmer. Chances are with the Lord, you're not going to be what you thought you were going to be. And you're not going to stay in the same place very long. But at the end of it, God said, now it's time to go plant something. It's time to go labor. It's time to go work. Get saved. Get your family saved. Help all those that the Lord brings to your ark. And then when the craziness begins to subside and, and the storm is gone and, and all that roller coaster of a life that started so uh, overwhelming gets to a certain place, go out and plant something. Go out and labor for the kingdom. The washing and the winning of our families. I started this morning by saying it's, it's special and it's fitting uh, because of a family that's going to be doing part of that work this morning. So uh, if we can have them come up, uh, Zach and Megan, 
Give them a hand and let's grab these kids. <clears throat> Maybe somebody can, uh, can help them out and, and get the kids. There you go. Miss Vanessa will go. Zach and Meg, you guys can come on up here. So they're dedicating their beautiful children this morning, Ariana and Josiah. And uh, it's a special day. You guys are a, a special family. It's been awesome to watch you guys get saved, walk with the Lord, be led to your spouse, to honor him in the way that you live, uh, honor him in your marriage, and then to be blessed with growth and to be blessed with a family that God's blessed you with. Um, We've got a couple pictures. Ray, you got those back there? We stole them off of Facebook. You put that out there, it's for the world. So slow down just a little bit. Check these guys out. What a beautiful family, amen? Go ahead, Ray. So this is like, we're tracking your whole life, guys. We get to watch everything. And when I'm gone, that's what I do is, is watch you guys. Just such, such a great family, right? Such a, a beautiful group. What a man right there. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do that. Yep. And then we'll leave this one up there. You know, <clears throat> as a big sister, just looking at her little brother, watching your family grow. You know, I think about this with, with our kids, the older ones, looking at the younger ones. But uh, how wonderful it is to know that she loves the Lord. Even at such a young age, she knows Jesus and she loves Jesus. And when you guys are not there, she'll be there with him. You know what I mean? And she'll be another voice to be able to tell him who he is and what it means to be a Gokinara and what it means to be part of your family and what it means to have Jesus, uh, what it means to have some covering over you and watching over you. And it's, you know, when I, when I looked at some of your pictures and, and specifically this one, you know, uh, I thought about just the, the sincerity and the purity of children and what a great responsibility it is for you guys to care for this. Like we talked about today, we cannot just expect things to continue to fall into line. Um, I think most of us when we were that age, come on in, sweetheart. When we were that age, we were all so good and we were all so pure. Give her a hand. Hi, Ari. Um, but things got away from many of us, and life got away from many of us, and we began to believe lies about ourselves and about our families, and God is a, a great reconciler and a great restorer. Hi, Josiah. Hi. See, he's got the lion already. He already knows. <laughs> he already knows. Beautiful, beautiful family. So in this church, we, uh, we don't believe in infant baptism, and we don't do that because we believe the Bible says something pretty specific and clear about how these things work. I'm not going to teach or preach a whole other sermon. Just want to point out two things. They already know, but I really want to share it with everybody who's here. Um, the Bible talks about an age of accountability. It says that all children are covered. If something were to happen to them, if they were to lose their life, whether that be through abortion or whether that be through tragedy, that there's this age of accountability where the grace and the love of God covers children. And they go directly into the presence of the Father. They go directly into heaven. And there's no need for somebody to, to, uh, to baptize them in order to receive that. The other reason why we don't do that, and, and just as a reminder, those things are happening to children all over the world. Bad things happening to children all over the world, but they go directly into the presence of God. 
The other thing that we believe that the Bible teaches is that baptism is something that somebody chooses and not something that's chosen for them. I can love somebody as much as I want to, but I can't force you to get baptized. I can't trick you while you're sleeping and dump water on you and say, now you're, you're washed and you're saved. It's a decision that um, an individual, no matter what age they are, has to make. Um, you guys know my son, Nate, 10 years old, and he just got baptized. He went through and, and read on salvation. He read on baptism. He came to us and said that he wanted to get baptized, and we talked and prayed. So I don't know what that age is. I just know it's a decision that individuals have to make for themselves. Um, but we see young kids here, I think probably even younger than Nate, that have been baptized in this church, but they wanted it for themselves. It wasn't something that was done to them when they were, were a baby. Um, so this morning, this dedication of these two beautiful children is really a lot more about the two of you than it is about them. It's about the commitments that you're making and the decisions that you're making. What I want to say to you guys is that you are ark builders. You're ark builders. What it means to dedicate your children, what you're actually saying is, we are dedicated to building an ark that they will be in. That we will show them, not only by what we're hearing from God as individuals, but also by what they watch you doing with your lives, that God is real, God is alive, God is speaking to his people, and God is preparing for their future, just like he's preparing for your future. I want you to be sincere and honest with them. Obviously, it's age appropriate, but it doesn't help them at all to, to be sheltered in a way that doesn't show them the real struggles that you guys go through as a married couple and the real struggles that you guys go through as a family. Too many kids are awakened to the reality way too late of trial and difficulty and tribulation. You need to be able to talk to your children as they grow about this is what daddy's going through. This is what mommy's going through. This is what's going on in our marriage. But this is who Jesus is. And this is what is going to happen. Be sincere with them. I think it'll go a lot further than trying to shelter them, especially in this world where they cannot truly be sheltered. They're going to be exposed. So they need to see the truth of God through your sincerity. Be objective with them when it comes to the word of God and don't waver on it. What happens to a lot of us as parents is we know what God says, but our heart is saying, Oh, but they would feel love better like this. They would know that we love them better like that. Do not waver. Be objective about the word of God. His ways are the best ways. Trust him. Trust what he says about raising children and about being a family. Be objective about it. Be aware of their unique challenges. This little girl is going to be different than this little boy, and what what the enemy is going to try to do to her is going to be different than what he tries to do to Josiah. So I want to encourage you guys, the answers are going to come through prayer. It's not going to come from being in this building. It's not going to come from them being in class. You guys have to actually say, Lord, what is my daughter going through? What is the actual answer? What would you have us to do as her parents? What is my son going through? Not what are boys at this age going through. What is my son going through? And what are the answers that you have for us that we can be obedient to you, Lord, because we know that you love them? Be aware. And then the last one. I want you to be prepared. Be prepared by continuing to learn and grow and enter into your relationship with Jesus. Watching the two of you, I gotta be honest with you, is just special. 
You guys love God. You keep fighting through the things that come against you. You're hearing special things from God. You're ministering to other teenagers. You're praying and ministering to me like we've talked about recently. It's just, it's wonderful to watch you guys, but you have to continue that. That's how you get prepared uh, for the future and decision that you have tomorrow. I believe that you guys are going to be happy. You're going to be healthy. You're going to have a long life. But, but part of that preparation is also about what were to happen if something were to happen to the two of you. You know, I think we look at our kids all the time and we have these dreams. She's going to be this and she's going to be that and she's going to go there and she's going to see these amazing things. And Josiah is going to be just a ball of fire and he's going to change the world and he's going to be so strong and he's going to be so powerful. But what are the real core of what you desire for them? What is the real hope that you want for their future? And how will that be accomplished if something were to happen to the two of you? You know, I want to encourage you it's something that we have to think about as good stewards of our children. You know, we can't just put them into the hands of friends. We can't just put them into the hands of blood and blood family. We have to really think about if their salvation is the most important thing, what are you guys going to do? For Mary and I, when we jumped on that plane on, on last Friday, right before we got on, uh, sent a message to the couple that we've entrusted our children to. And I said, hey, just a reminder, if something happens to us, you guys are accountable for our children. Please take care of them. Thank you. And make sure that they continue to grow in their love for Jesus like they have been. They called us back and they're crying. <laughs> nothing's going to happen to you. I'm like, no, nothing's going to happen to me. However, make sure that's all that matters. I don't care if he's an astronaut or if he works at the local grocery store. I want him to love Jesus. I don't care if she has a doctorate or if she just graduated high school. I want her to love Jesus. That's all I care about. You guys need to think about those things. You are ark builders. If something were to happen to you, make sure that these kids are in the hands of other ark builders. Not people who know about arks. Not people who have, have seen and heard testimonies about arks. Ark builders. That would be the best thing for your children. It's your responsibility to do those things. So this is the last scripture. Hebrews 11:7 for you guys. It says, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, he moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Build an ark. These kids are going to be fine. They're going to be blessed. They're going to be a joy. And they do not have to go to the places that many of us have been to. Uh, but it'll be dependent upon the ark that you build. It's not the Way's ark. It's not friends and family's ark. It's your ark. Right? It's your ark and your family needs to be in it. Amen. Amen. So why don't we all stand? We're going to stretch out our hands and we're going to pray over this family. We are definitely going to be focusing and praying over Ari and Josiah. And then afterwards, we're going to go right into it. Uh, we're going to just have a time of prayer. The family, if you want to, you guys can come up a little bit closer and just kind of... Um, let them feel your presence and let these kids remember this is mom, this is dad, this is grandma and grandpa, auntie, uncle, sister, cousin, whoever it is. Um, let them see you. You guys have a responsibility to help these kids continue to grow. And then afterwards, we'll open the altar for those that have not gotten into an ark yet, but you want to be into the ark of salvation. And then for any families who are here that feel like you need that washing of the Holy Spirit, you need that soap and that water, and you desire uh, for your family to kind of receive the word from this morning, we're going to open up the altars and pray for you guys as well. But right now, Lord, hallelujah, Lord.
We thank you for these wonderful, wonderful gifts that you blessed us with, Lord God. We deny what the world tells us, Lord, that it's just natural progression. These are miracles from you, Lord God. This family is a miracle from you, Lord God. You have a purpose and you have destinies for these children, Lord God. That they would be happy, that they would be healthy, that they would be secure, that they would know you. We believe that you are already speaking to them, Lord. This isn't something that happens as they grow older, Lord. You are their God right now. You are the voice that they hear, Lord God. Even if they're unable to express it to their parents or to their friends, Lord, we believe and we know that you're with them. We ask that you would cover them with a hedge of protection, Lord. We know that you're faithful and that you can protect them, that they never have to stray from you, God. They never have to find themselves far from you, Lord God. We thank you for what you've done in this family, Lord, as their parents are ark builders, Lord. They're serious about knowing you. They're serious about loving you. They're serious about serving you, Lord God. And they're not just concerned with their own family and their own children, Lord. They care for so many others, God. I pray that you would bless them, that they would continue to walk into what you have for them, Lord God. Not to be distracted, not to be dismayed, not to be uh, uh, just led in the wrong direction, God, that they would stay firm and stay faithful to your gifts and to your callings on their life. We pray right now for the schools that these two enter into, Lord, that they wouldn't just be a place where they go and they find protection and they find security, Lord, but that they would be impactors in those schools, that the kids that they encounter would come to know you because the way that they know you, Lord God, that their teachers even, Lord, may have their minds and their hearts swayed by the sincerity, Lord God, and by the spirit that dwells within them, Lord God. We are not going to be passive bystanders, Lord, in the world that we live in. We are the soap, Lord God. We are the cleansing that the world needs, Lord. Let this family change the world, Lord God. Let them change the world. Let them change the world, God. We love you. We love them, Lord God. Protect them and continue to bless them. We thank you for the immediate family and the extended family that's here on this day, Lord God. We all have faith to believe, Lord, that it's not a ceremony, Lord. It's a savior. It's not a building and a service that we're attending, Lord God. It's a covenant that you're making with this family, God. It's an ark that is going to be built for the saving of this family and the saving of many. We love you, Lord. Open our eyes to see what you're doing. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Bless them. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So listen. They'll grab you and you guys can take pictures, but we just want to open the altars and worship for just about five minutes. You guys can come, like I said, if you uh, aren't saved and you want to be and you have questions, please come and let myself or one of the other elders talk to you. If you want prayer for the washing of your family, just come to the altar. Come to the altar for your family and for your art. grave I've been raised when I needed a savior to save me Jesus you made a way For listening. The Way would love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. 
and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.